Thanks for joining us at First Baptist of Woodlawn. Our mission at Woodlawn is to grow, serve, and reach others together. Our vision at Woodlawn is to impact our regional communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ through small groups, corporate worship and missions, and evangelism. Now, today's sermon. All right, we continue today with uh, part three of Why Do We Worship? And today we're going to look at our weapon of warfare. And no greater example of our weapon in warfare than what we have just experienced in worship this morning. I love it when, when the worship and the word come together in a powerful way to communicate to us and equip us and give us what we need as we face every moment of every day. So let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Open your Bibles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 21 and 22. Now get your exercise. If you would stand, again, as we read God's Word together this morning, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 21 and 22. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. Let's pray again. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it, it teaches and how it gives us insight into our living as followers of Christ and how it draws us to you. And Lord, I pray for those this morning who are, who are not saved yet. Lord, they have not tasted and, and seen the goodness of God. Lord, would you draw them into a relationship with you this morning? Those who are here, Lord, that are walking in this life as born-again followers of Christ, Lord, each of us, we fight this battle every day. Lord, I pray that you would equip us with your word by the power of your name and the Holy Spirit that we would be equipped for the battle that is before us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated, thank you. At the end of last week's sermon, I made this statement. I said, I said it's, it's okay to be afraid as a first response. What that means is, and I'll, I'll use Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as, as, as part of the example, because here are these three Hebrew children, these young men, who are faced with either bowing down and worshiping the idol or refusing to do so and being thrown into the fiery furnace. Well, I don't think we're talking about a little Weber grill, you know, that was in front of them. I believe what they were getting ready to be thrown into was was a huge opening, and because when they talked about stoking the fire seven times hotter than it was, it killed some of the men that were around us. So we're not talking about any small thing. So the question is, was there some fear and anxiety that came upon Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they saw that fiery furnace for the first time? And I believe that they, they, were, they probably were. Why? Well, they're human. They're emotional. We, as God's people, are created with emotions. And so who in their right mind would see such a sight and, and go, oh, well, 
right? We are created not as robots incapable of emotion, but as, as, as humans. And uh, Tina and I are, we're Star Trek Next Generation fans. Can I get a witness? Yeah, all right, there we go. And um, there's a character in Star Trek named Data, familiar with, with Data, if you're familiar with the show at all. And he is a man-made android designed and created without emotion. And so Data, who appears human in most every way, um, can never experience bitterness. He can never experience jealousy or love or hatred, happiness. Uh, many times in the show, he expresses that he wishes that he had these emotions so he would know what it means to live as, as a human. And, and actually, one of the, the, the movies, one of the Star Trek movies, he does actually get the emotion chip. You know, So uh, his wish was granted. But, uh, but who of us, when walking down a dark hall or in an unfamiliar dark room, who of us does not have those initial feelings of fear and anxiety? Even in my own home, you know, in the middle of the night, for some reason, I, I get up and, and, and some, something that the fear will take over you and you're like, you're like looking around. I'm even in my own house that I feel that way sometimes. So it's okay, there's nothing wrong there's nothing sinful about having that kind of initial response. And so many of you are probably like, well, thank you. I thought I was full of sin when, when that kind of feeling comes over us. So what matters is what our next immediate response is. Do we let that fear, do we let it take hold? Or do we stand on scripture that says what? That pure love casts out fear. And so we need to walk in the faith of Christ, but we also should not allow fear and anxiety to take us captive. We should quickly realize that fear is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your tracks. Fear is a liar. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness, cast your fear in the fire, because fear, he is a liar. Now, I'm here to tell you that I don't normally sing my sermons, but it may happen again <laughs> before today is even over with, because we're talking about worship. In the story of King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles, it's a, it's a story of a good king. Jehoshaphat is a, is a good king whom God protected. And he would eventually align with a bad king, but then he repented and he, he returned to God. And not only was the hand of God on King Jehoshaphat, but God also stopped his enemies in their tracks before they could be before they attacked him. So we need to see today how this story of Jehoshaphat fits us today as followers of Jesus. Hope that you're listening today. 
Hope that, you're, that you have anticipation today of what this means for you and for me. And there are seasons in our lives, and I know that, that you can testify to this, that, that God protects us from the enemy and that we don't even know it. Would you agree with that? I hope that, that you do. We have no idea what, what we have been spared of in this life as we walk as followers of Christ and children of God. That's the riches of God's grace and mercy at work today. But as we can see with King Jehoshaphat, that there are also times when God allows the enemy to attack us. And even though it's okay to express that initial fear in our lives, it's our next response it's our next response that will reveal what we're truly made of. So let's get beyond the initial response to how we respond when those, when those situations bring that initial fear to us. Okay, we're going to back up. We're going to get the bigger picture. I've told you before already that what I like to do is take the... The, the little scripture, and then back up. Let's see what happened before our scripture. Let's see what happened after our scripture so we get a, a, a visual, a, a true picture of the text. So let's back up to verse 1 of Second Chronicles. I think we have this on display. Verse 1, After this, the Moabites, the Amorites, and with them some of the Midianites came together against Jehoshaphat for battle. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar. And verse 3, what's it say? Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. And I want to stop there for just a second. Jehoshaphat was afraid. His first response was that he was afraid. All right, let's look at the rest of verse 3. He set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. His very next response was to seek the Lord. We're not going to go through verses 6 through 12. I do encourage you to read these verses on your own time when you're at home doing maybe a follow-up study, maybe in C groups this week. You can look at these verses. It's the prayer that Jehoshaphat prays in the assembly of the people of Judah and Jerusalem. But let's look at verse 12 now and what happens immediately after his prayer. This is what he says. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are, what, powerless against this horde that is coming against us. And we do not know what to do, but... Our eyes are on you. And this is a key prayer for us in spiritual warfare. And today, I hope that you can see that in our lives all around us today that we are in spiritual warfare. We are in warfare today for our families. We're in warfare for our schools, our churches, and our government. And if you don't see that, if you don't think that's true, then, then please see me after church and we'll have a little conversation. Apart from Jesus Christ, 
apart from Jesus Christ, would you dare go up to Satan and say, bring it on, big boy. Show me what you got. (laughs) I hope not. I hope not. Apart from Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, without the indwelling Holy Spirit, we are dead meat. We are completely powerless. This is what Jehoshaphat said. We are powerless without you, O God. But praise be to God who has made us co-heirs with Christ. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and working in you and me, conforming us into the image of his perfect son. That's Romans 8. And he is also perfecting us until he comes again. That's Philippians 1.6, some of my favorite scriptures. The only power in you and me is the power of Jesus. The only authority in us comes from Jesus. And we are completely dependent on him to come through for us in our battles. I tell you, there's something I pray every day. Lord, this is your battle. Fight this battle for me. Fight this battle for me. Brings him joy. Who is not going to bow down to Jesus? Who in, in, in the world, who above the world, who below the earth is not going to bow to the authority of Jesus? Verse 13. Following Jehoshaphat's prayer, Scripture says this. Meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord, verse 14, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jahaziel, son of Zechariah, a Levite, and he said, Listen, all of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at the great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. What he says next is so very important. He tells them, he tells them that their enemies will come. So what I tell you today, your enemy will come against you. It would be a lie for me to say, just pray and the enemy is going to leave you alone. Even more so when you pray, the enemy will come. And he tells them in verse 17, listen, listen close, verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. But what does he say? Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Oh, there's so much right here that I want you to see. He doesn't say... Sit passively and let things happen. He says, go out against them. Stand and hold your position. The word position here is is so important. It's because of, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. What is our position? Our position is that we are now in Christ. Amen? We are in Christ. We no longer stand apart from God. 
as rebels and as disobedient children, but because of Christ through repentance, through the blood of Jesus, we are now in Christ. That is our position. And we are now seated in the heavenly places with God through Jesus Christ. So when the enemy comes at you, and he will, and he does, he comes to discourage you. He comes to confuse you, to defeat you. Scripture says, stand firm and hold your position in Christ. You need to remind yourself that, and you need to remind your enemy that. Remind yourself that I am a new creation in Christ bought by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Spirit, and no weapon formed against me will prosper. And we tell the enemy that too. I am not yours. I am in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ. And no matter what you throw at me, it will not prosper because I am in Christ. Stand up against your enemy, and hold your position in Christ. Verse 18, look at Jehoshaphat's very next response. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord with a very loud voice. This is how they prepared for battle. This is their preparation to go into battle or to face the enemy that was coming against them. Verse 20. Verse 20 says that they rose early the next morning and went into the wilderness. And Jehoshaphat stood before the people and he said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will will succeed okay so here we are here it is they're at the battlefront the lord has commanded them to go to the front line of the battle and to stand the ground so what's this picture of did they are they there or did they are they hiding behind trees and in in the bushes are they cowering in the face of the enemy? Are they poised with, with swords and bow and arrows? Well, let's see. Verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, I'm going to stop here for just a second. I want to share something with you. I shared this with the, with the adults this morning in Sunday school class for, for a brief moment. I love this. He took counsel with the people. One of my favorite theologians, Matthew Henry, he calls this, this was a council of war. A council of war. He, he conferred with the people. You know, I like it when a leader counsels with and confers with those around him. These were a group of, of men that specialized in, 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 in war or tactics. Of, of war, I guess. And that speaks to me in, in my position that in place at First Baptist Church at Woodlawn, we have deacons in place. We have a finance team in place. We have an operations team in place. We have trustees in place. We have all these, these groups of people that are in place that are gifted in their certain 
area of ministry and serving, what a great joy it is for me that I can confer with these wonderful people that God has set apart in this place. And I can either say, hey guys, what do you think of of this? What should be a plan of action of this? Or one of them can come to me and say, hey, I feel like the Lord has placed upon me a desire or to do this, pastor, what do you think? That speaks volumes to me, and I love the servant-mindedness that is in this church, and I thank you that that has been uh, almost overwhelming at times to me. So Jehoshaphat, he had taken counsel with the people, and he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. Let's stop there once again. What's holy attire? How are we supposed to worship in, in holy attire? Now, in the Old Testament, it probably meant some kind of actual clothing to worship in. The worshipers were set apart. They were probably recognized by their attire. But for us today, when we hear worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness or worship in holy attire, that's not speaking to something that we physically will put on. But our frame of mind, what's your frame of mind when you come into this place and worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? Oh, that speaks so much. That speaks so much. What's your frame of mind worshiping the Lord in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. He appointed the worship leaders to begin worshiping God for his goodness. In fact, what they were singing was Psalm 136. One of the worship leaders says, now turn in your scroll to, no, he didn't do that, of course. But he appointed the worship leaders to sing, to worship the Lord. And so notice this too about, about this. They weren't singing for themselves. How many times have you maybe been in a, in a worship service and you hear people singing and, and somebody's behind you and, and you know they're just trying to sound good? It happens. I've never been guilty of that. They weren't singing to impress each other. They weren't singing at the enemy. Listen to this. They weren't singing at the enemy. They were appointed to sing to the Lord and to praise him in holy attire. This is how they stood in opposition to the enemy. This is how they fought their battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Sing it. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Praise God. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. When they got up in the morning, Was there a measure of anxiety as they prepared to march to the battlefield? Really? Sure. 
I'm sure even Jehoshaphat was like, all right, we've heard from God. Whoo, we're not supposed to fight. I'm sure. I'm sure there was some anxiety and some fear that, that crept in when they knew they were going to the battlefield, not only to the battlefield, to the front line of the battlefield. But in the face of the enemy, on the front line of the battlefield, worship overcame fear. Worship overcame the strongest enemy, and worship overcame the sense of being surrounded and closed in by the enemy. Amen? The power to overcome is unleashed when we worship God in spirit and in truth. So let's take our eyes off of the enemy and instead let's sing of the, of the goodness of our God. And let's acknowledge that the battle is not ours to fight because the battle belongs to the Lord. Let worship be our first response. And not, our, and not our last resort. It's worship that brings victory over the enemy. It's worship that breaks the chains of worry and captivity. And it's worship that aligns us with God. We're aligned with God through worship, allowing us to tap into the power that defeats our enemy when we feel like there's no escape. And many times we don't see the escape. Many times with our eyes, we don't see what the way out is going to be. Just like, just like the children of, of Jerusalem, Judah. Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise. See, this, there's a step of faith here too. There's a step of faith to do so the Lord will act. It happened at the Red Sea. The, the, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant... You know, here they are, these multitudes behind them, and they're carrying, they're at the edge of the Jordan, the Jordan's flooded, right? And they're probably sinking a little bit in the overflow, you know? And then Joshua says, take a step. It wasn't until they took a step that the floodwaters parted. It's not until the children of Israel sang that the power of God came. When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and I love this, so that they were routed. They didn't just sneak by. You know, it wasn't a, a two-point win at the last second. You know, they, they were routed. You know, I love when, the, when, my, when my team wins by a lot. You know, close games are good. Well, there's times where you, you just want to see a route, man. You want to see a home run fest or, you know, or a continuous clock or something, you know. I just love it when my team is on that end of the, of the game. They were routed. Notice, too, that they didn't just sing, but when they began to sing and praise, the Lord went to work on their behalf. So why do we worship? It's our weapon of warfare. Our worship is our weapon of warfare. 
In heavenly armor we'll enter the land. The battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon that's fashioned against us shall stand. The battle belongs to the Lord. We sing glory and honor, power and praise to the Lord. We sing glory and honor, power and praise to the Lord. When your enemy presses in heart, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Take courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory and honor, power and praise to the Lord. We sing glory and honor, power and praise to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over, over everything. We sing not just to sing. We can gain great pleasure and joy in singing. But there is power in our worship. There is power to fight battles our worship. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to know more about our relationship with Jesus or more about our church at Woodlawn, please contact us by email at info at fbcwoodlawn.org. Please join us again next week for another sermon from First Baptist of Woodlawn. worthy